Hello and welcome to Fit for My Age, a series of conversations between Abbasida and people who think outside the box about health and well-being with the aim of helping everyone live a healthier life. I am your host, Michael Millward, the Managing Director of Abbasida. Today I am joined by Sue Thomas, who is the Sugar Free Coach. Hello, Sue. Hello, Michael. Very pleased that you could be able to join me today to discuss this because I'm intrigued by sugar and what a sugar-free coach does. So could we start, please, by you explaining what a sugar-free coach does? Certainly. So thank you so much for inviting me onto the podcast as well today because I absolutely love talking about sugar and empowering people to understand how much sugar is impacting their health on a day-to-day basis. Um, so yes, I'm the sugar-free coach. I've been, I'm, I'm a nutritional therapist. I've been a nutritional therapist for the last seven years, but I've actually been in the wellness industry for the last 20 years. And I I absolutely am passionate about enlightening people to understand how things that we think aren't having an impact on our health actually are. And sugar is one of those things. Sugar, so many of us don't realise how much sugar is added to our diet on a day-to-day basis. And so most of us actually in 21st century life do have a sugar addiction. So my focus is to enlighten people, to help them understand, to empower them to understand how to break that cycle of sugar consumption and to start to identify where sugar is creeping into their diet. Who may think, well, I don't have much sugar. I don't eat cake or I don't have uh, sugar in my tea and that kind of thing. But actually... So many of the media messages that we've been sold in the last 20, 30, 40 years are subliminally plying us with sugar. And sugar is an addictive substance. The more we eat it, we we want more of it. And so we're in this cycle of consuming sugar, sometimes without even realising it. And the knock-on effect of that to our health is massive. And so my role as the sugar-free coach really is to help people understand, as I said, to enlighten people as to where sugar is and the steps that they can take, the simple steps that they can take to reduce their sugar consumption and to break that cycle of sugar addiction so that they can live a fuller and more productive life every single day. Sounds very interesting. I already feel very guilty about the amount of sugar that I'm eating. I'm thinking... Well, let's start with what is sugar? So it's really important to understand what I like to call the the, the kind of um, glucose spectrum, so, well, the carbohydrate spectrum, if you like. So on one end of the scale, we've got uh, greens, reds, orange carbohydrates. So they would be all your green leafy vegetables, um, all your kind of reds and oranges, all the fruit and things that you might eat on a day-to-day basis, moving through to beige carbohydrate and then white carbohydrate, including alcohol. So when we talk about beige carbohydrate and white carbohydrate, we're talking about pastas and breads, um, cookies, cakes, chocolate, anything that's basically got refined sugar added to it. And we are fooled, again, by the food industry into believing that the beige carbohydrate are complex carbohydrate. They're not. They're actually processed carbohydrate. And you need to understand how the two ends of the spectrum work, if you like. So any metabolic process the body goes through creates substances that can be harmful to the body. They're called free radicals. And if they're not neutralized and cleared out of the system, they can start to cause inflammation. So they start a kind of heating up of the body, basically, a speeding up of the aging process. 
Now, if we consume our carbohydrates, our, get our glucose, because that's essentially, that's what the body functions on. The body functions on glucose. All carbohydrate is, con is converted into glucose in the body. If we're getting our, our, our carbohydrates from the reds and the greens and the orange ends, so all the colorful green leafy vegetables, the fruits, et cetera, et cetera, they contain substances called antioxidants. And antioxidants neutralize those free radicals and clear them out of the system in a very simplistic form, but that's essentially what they do. So they can we, we can see those reds and greens and oranges as almost a cooling source of, of glucose because they, they, the antioxidants are donated to clear those free radicals out of the system. But if we're getting our carbohydrate from the, the beige and the white end of the spectrum, they don't contain the antioxidants that neutralize those byproducts that are produced when we when the body metabolizes the carbohydrate into glucose. And so as a result, those uh, free radicals start to attack the body, start to create inflammation, start to heat up the body and basically speed up the aging process. So if you have joint pain, for example, if you have a bit of brain fog, if you're feeling sluggish, if you don't sleep very well at night, if you struggle with bloating, um, I could go on and on and on. If you keep getting um, uh, colds and things like that, that's all a sign that your body is struggling internally with inflammation. And usually that inflammation comes from the consumption of sugar. I suspect that there are probably some very simple signs that people have got their carbohydrate consumption too far to one side of the uh, of that spectrum um yeah it's very simple things it's like okay you eat your greens you eat lots of vegetables you eat um your doctor says to me drink eat an orange rather than drink um orange juice from a carton because then you get the fiber from the orange as well and that as you're getting the sugar the sweetness of the orange but you're also getting the fiber the fiber is what is going to help you uh, deal with those um free radicals which are yeah going to damage your body so you need more and more of those uh, somebody commented to me in the supermarket a couple of weeks ago that you know at least half of my shopping trolley was fruit and vegetables and i hadn't really realized until somebody told me that but if you are then getting biscuits cakes bread that's the beige bit which sometimes people say like okay a slice of bread actually gives you energy it's 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 a carbohydrate gives you energy so there is a good side to the carbohydrate but you also get the the energy from the the colored side of that spectrum as well but you need to eat more of those colored carbohydrates to get the same amount of energy as you might get from carbohydrates which are on the beige or the white end of that spectrum would that be right well, so there I'm going to bust that myth, I'm afraid, <laughs> because when you consume the, the carbohydrate that are the beige and the white carbohydrate, yes, they give you an instant energy spike. But along with that instant energy spike, you also have a release of insulin. And insulin is our blood sugar hormone that is released to pick up the sugars in our bloodstream and take them to the cells for energy production. Now, if we have too much sugar in our bloodstream, which is what happens when we consume breads, pastas, whites, the, the glucose is released too quickly into the system. Those, that glucose is picked up by the insulin and taken to the cells for energy production. But because there's too much of it, the mitochondria, which are the powerhouses of the cells, which are the engines of the cells, basically, 
they send out a message they don't want any more carbohydrate. And so our insulin receptors on our cells start to shut down. So we can't take any more of that that carb, that glucose. The body can't physically, the, um, the insulin can't take any more into the cells. So it's got all this sugar that it needs to do something with, all this glucose that it needs to do something with. And so what it ends up doing is taking that glucose to the liver and it stores it as glycogen. That has its own issues and that's another webinar in itself or another podcast in itself because that is is starts to create what we call a sluggish liver which makes our metabolism slow down and all these kind of things but when our insulin it takes those those that glucose to the liver we have then a crash in blood sugars and so the message is sent to the brain to consume more carbohydrate more beige carbohydrate or white carbohydrate to lift our energy levels back up again now, if we're getting our, our carbohydrate from the reds, the greens, and the oranges, these carbohydrates, where they release their glucose into the bloodstream much more slowly, and so we have a much more slower release of insulin. And insulin balance is the panacea for most things. If we have a slow release of insulin, we don't get that big spike, and then we don't get that big crash. So we actually end up eating less overall, particularly from a weight management point of view, we end up eating less overall without even realizing it. In a previous life, I was a personal trainer and I was having to heal my own health. There was some issues that had gone on. And I won't go into the details of it, but um, I was struggling with burnout basically and I needed to heal my own health. And I'd sort of seen a nutritionist. This was before I became myself a nutritional therapist. And she'd said, you need to get rid of the bread at lunchtime. I was eating sandwiches at lunchtime to give me what I thought would be the energy in the afternoon to train my clients effectively. And I thought, gosh, how am I going to, how am I going to function in the afternoon without, without what that, that complex carbohydrate that I'd been sold that message of complex carbohydrate. And how am I going to function without that energy to come from my, my, my bread, my sandwiches that I have at lunchtime. And I was skeptical but I uh, followed her guidance and I switched my lunch to a massive salad with loads and loads of good quality protein on it. And I was astounded at the level of energy and the level of consistent energy that I had throughout the course of the afternoon, far more energy than I'd ever had having sandwiches at lunchtime. So because I was having sandwiches, my blood sugars were spiking, my insulin was spiking my insulin receptors were shutting down because the the mitochondria didn't want all this sugar being brought to it, all this glucose being brought to it. And so my insulin would then take that glucose to my liver to store it and I would have a blood sugar crash and I would then be eating again at sort of half past three, thinking that because I was training clients, I was using up all that energy, but it wasn't. It was because my blood sugars were spiking and troughing and I was ending up needing to eat more to bring my energy levels back up again. Whereas when I consumed all that food, where I consumed all that salad and all that colourful veg, I just had consistent energy throughout the afternoon. I didn't need to snack at 3, 3.30. That's great. And very interesting. One of the first articles that I wrote for Fit For My Age um, is about sandwiches and how mm. the bread that we use to create the sandwich is essentially just something that was invented so that someone didn't have to go leave the card table and could have a meal whilst they were doing something else and how the bread is just a replacement for the knife and fork so if you buy a fork get rid of the bread eat the filling from the sandwich like you say lots of greens lots of vegetables lots of good quality protein you are going to end up having a much better lunch 
than a sandwich on the go type of thing. The bread is simply an alternative to the the knife and fork. Knife and and fork. from what you're saying, the bread actually doesn't have any nutritional value. It's not that it doesn't have any nutritional value. I wouldn't say that. But it's right. more about the response that the body has to that bread that we have to manage. And it's the insulin response that the body has. And it's insulin that is the key here. Insulin being that blood sugar hormone. And where we want insulin to be is to be really balanced and really steady. But most people in 21st century life have a roller coaster of insulin throughout the day, which is leading them to eat more. It's need leading them to crave sugar, have sugar cravings. Uh, it's disrupting their sleep at night. Sleep is a whole, again, another whole podcast in itself on understanding yep. how important sleep is. And so all of these things, sleep, hormone balance, weight management, energy levels, productivity, all are influenced by how balanced our insulin is. And if our insulin is balanced, that's for me, that's the real panacea to long-term well-being. That's the real panacea to being fit for your age. Right. Thank you. Now, what I'm thinking is that it must be simple and straightforward to just say, well, I will change my diet. Right? But it's not because, like you said earlier on, the sugar is addictive. And it's an addiction that we get very early in life because sweet things are used as a reward for children. And we get into the habit, I think, of connecting i've had a good day i deserve to be rewarded so we might buy a chocolate bar we might buy an ice cream we might buy a donut we might have an alcoholic drink or we also think oh, i've had a terrible day if i have a chocolate bar if i have a donut if i have a an alcoholic drink i'm going to feel better that will that will turn my day around but addiction can be both physical and psychological and changing your habits your diet habits actually is not just a simple case of deciding to buy something differently it's it's about getting over that addiction isn't it yeah and i think particularly for sugar i agree completely that's a psychological um a psychological addiction but also it is a physical addiction as well because when our insulin is peaking and troughing throughout the day as we go into that low blood sugar level that's when the brain kicks in and says we've got to eat something sugary so the sugar cravings almost become out of our control so there is a physical element there as well sugar yes it makes us feel good it has that little dopamine hit that causes us to feel oh this is nice i like this i like this comfort i want some more of it but um, it's more about what is happening with your insulin levels and how you can how you can begin to balance your insulin now it takes about 10 days to two weeks to start to flatten your insulin curve and so most people will wake up on a monday morning thinking right this is it i'm going to eat healthily i'm this is my new i'm turning over a new leaf um, i'm going to start eating healthily and by the time they get to wednesday or thursday the sugar cravings have kicked in and they can't get past that and they give in to the sugar again they might buy the bar of chocolate they might have the glass of, of wine and and so they find it really hard to get past that initial the five first five six seven days are definitely the hardest when you're trying to balance your blood sugars so what we try to do is try to do too much too soon and what i do when i work with my clients is i say to them let's just focus on one thing and changing one thing 
to make that a default habit, if you like. And once we've changed that one thing that's going to contribute to beginning to balance your blood sugars, then we'll move on to the next and then we'll move on to the next so that it doesn't feel like it's this overwhelming task. And yes, it might take longer to flatten the glucose curve, to flatten your insulin um, curve and, and how high insulin is in your system, but it's more sustainable because at the minute what happens is we set ourselves this high target on a Monday morning that we're never going to eat sugar again and we've given into it by Wednesday or Thursday and that's again just not sustainable so what we want to do is practice some very gradual step changes that allow us to uh, reduce our sugar consumption gradually we fool the body we fool the insulin into not even realizing that we're, we're, we're lowering our insulin levels um, and, and not needing to lean on sugar in quite the same way. Does swapping to low sugar products, low sugar food products, does that help? No, <laughs> because there's two <laughs> things there. There's two things there. The first is you want to reduce your need for sweetness. That's a really important thing to do because, again, anything that touches your tongue is sending a message to your pancreas to go, let's release insulin. Sugar is coming. We've got to, we've got to start, we've got to be ready to pick up those sugar molecules and take them to the cells. So that's the first thing. If we we are looking at the low sugar products to try and reduce our need for sugar, we need to reduce our need for sweetness rather than sugar, essentially. But the second thing is that's really important is that most of the low sugar products have artificial sweetness added to them. And those artificial sweeteners can't be processed by the body. And so the insulin has to take them to the, to the, to the liver and store them in the liver. And so we start to get what's called a sluggish liver, which in extreme cases can move on to a non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which is where the liver becomes a fatty um, organ and it can't function effectively. Now, our liver has a role to play in about 500 different functions in the body. And so we really want it to be working efficiently, but it's being clogged up with all these artificial sweeteners, then it, you know, it just can't function efficiently. So actually, it needs to be a two-pronged approach where you just go, we'll start to reduce our need for sweetness down. And at the same time as reducing our need to sweetness down, we'll eat in the right way to mean that we can begin to banish those sugar cravings without even realising it. I'm beginning to think that this is going to be more difficult than I imagined. So <laughs> I'm going to be cheeky and, and ask you, say, what are the first sort of three things that I could do to help get to the point where my body is handling the sweetness and the insulin and all the other things uh, more effectively. What are the three things that I should do? Okay, so the first thing is that you should swap your sweet breakfast out for a savoury breakfast. And that savoury breakfast should focus mostly on protein and colours. So we might be talking about um, two poached eggs with some avocado, spinach and tomatoes, for example, or, or um, an omelette with mushrooms something that basically doesn't involve toast and doesn't involve cereal because those are the kind of what we think are the easiest things to have for breakfast because they're the quickest but what they do is spike your blood sugars really quickly and then you end up having a crash your stomach is full of hydrochloric acid first thing in the morning and hydrochloric acid is designed to break down protein it's not designed to break down carbohydrate so if we're eating carbohydrate first thing in the morning it's going to release into your bloodstreams really quickly because hydrochloric acid is breaking that carbohydrate down really quickly and releasing it into the bloodstream. So if we have protein, it's a much slower release of glucose or a much slower release of the substances that can then be formed into glucose in the bloodstream. 
that's really disappointing because I, I love toast. I've got to give up the toast. <laughs> <laughs> so you can get round that by having the protein first, having the protein with some vegetables. And this is, this is my second tip. The first tip is to eat protein for breakfast. But the second tip is to eat your food in the right order. So if you eat your vegetables first, they create the fibres that kind of almost line the stomach. Uh, then eat your protein and then eat your toast. That way, you're, you're kind of uh, the fibres are slowing the release of the sugars from the glucose from the, from the toast down when you eat the toast. So it's a layered effect. So I see so many clients beginning to balance their insulin levels by eating their food in the right order, eating the fibrous bit first, the colourful bit first, so the tomatoes and the spinach and the avocado, then eating the, the boiled egg and then eating a piece of toast. And that way you can really slow those that release of glucose down. You should be able to go from one meal to the next. So you should be able to go from four to four to five hours without needing to snack. If you can do that, you've got really consistent insulin levels. You should be energized. You should be able to function efficiently. You shouldn't be struggling with any kind of brain fog or dips or anything like that. That shows if you are fully energized all the way through from one meal to the next, without needing to snack at all, that shows that your insulin is really nicely balanced. So the first tip is to eat, um, to swap to a savory-based breakfast. The second tip is to eat your food in the right order, and that's breakfast as well as lunch and dinner. Um, if you apply mm -hmm. that rule across lunch and dinner. And the third tip then is to move for about 10 minutes after you've eaten. So if you eat, you then need to use up some of that glucose that's being released into the bloodstream. So, you know, if you're in the office, and you, and you have something you have something for lunch, just put it in your diary that you need to go out for a walk for 10 minutes and make that a non-negotiable. It's great from a productivity point of view in terms of uh, clearing your head and, and making you mentally you know, make, making you mentally more astute again. But from, a, from an insulin balance perspective and from a blood sugar balance perspective, it is a great way of just using up some of that excess glucose in the system and will allow your blood sugars to stay really nicely balanced for the rest of the day. And that, I suppose, is the key, isn't it? Keeping the blood sugar levels balanced throughout the day yeah. is what is going to give you, well, make you healthier inside, have all those various different organs. I didn't know the liver had 500 different functions. That's amazing. Make you more efficient and effective as a, as a body with all the different organs working better. Keep all of the different elements that fuel your body in balance is a key thing. The making sure that you're eating the right type of foods in the right order and also including exercise and sleep, but three things. I have learned so much today, Sue. That's been really interesting. Really very interesting. I could talk for hours about sugar, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am thinking that I will take you up on the offer and we must uh, we must take this as a, as a starting point and look at this again in some of the more specific areas, perhaps in the future. But, you know, for the moment, I am intrigued and my interest and, and a little bit of my conscience is also, my conscience is pricked a little bit of some of the things that I know that I'm mistreating my body by the things that I eat and the, and the consequences of that are a little bit more obvious today. So... Uh, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. I challenge you to have your breakfast tomorrow as uh, in, in, in that order. We will certainly try.
We will certainly try. There is a nice mango waiting to be eaten tomorrow morning for breakfast. And so that would come come first. No, then that would have to, no, mango's really high in sugar, so that would have to come last. You'd have to go with uh, the savoury first. So you need to go first. with the, the vegetables or that something, you know, something green first, followed by uh, the protein. And then the mango is the high is a high sugar um, fruit that would really spike your blood sugars. So that needs to come last tomorrow. Right. Okay. Well, you see, there is so much to learn, and um, every every second is a school day in some on some days. But you know, thank you really very much. I will take up the challenge, and I will report back, and I hope we get an opportunity to explore it in more detail again very soon but for the moment Sue thank you very much it's been very interesting thank you so much for having me I really really enjoyed talking to you thank you very much thank you and of course thank you to you for listening to fit for my age I am Michael Millward the managing director of Abbasida and I have been having a conversation about how to be fit for my age with Sue Thomas the sugar-free coach you can find out more about both of us at abbasida.co.uk. There is a link in the description together with a link to Sue's website as well. If you have liked this edition of Fit For My Age, please give it a like. And to make sure you don't miss out on future editions, please subscribe. Remember, the aim of all of the podcasts produced by Abbasida is not to tell you what to think, but we do hope to make you think. Thank you.